your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you enjoy this episode and want to stay tuned to the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and the Odyssey app. Doing so costs you zero dollars and ensures you never miss another episode. Tonight's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts a car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Tonight's episode, I was hoping to originally have some feedback from fans and talk about, you know, what their thoughts on the offseason was, but thus far, I haven't really been able to solicit too, too many opinions. I'll keep trying and see if I can get some feedback from elsewhere. But in the meantime, I thought it would be good to cover a few more NHL free agent transactions and talk about what my expectations for the next year or so are. I feel like the Jets actually have a decent amount to expect, especially for the next season, and I think as fans, we can anticipate a pretty good return to form for a team that, frankly, over the last couple of years, they've been pretty poor. But I don't want to jump the gun yet and talk about that stuff until we cover some of the free agent contracts and extensions that we're looking at. Right now, we've got Ryan Murray signing for the uh, the Colorado Avalanche for one year at $2 million. Murray has been a decent transition D, somebody who can be strong on the puck and deliver a couple of very physical hits. I don't know if he's like a big shot blocking type, but I I always thought that Murray had a very like shut down defender kind of perception around the league. I'm not sure if he's really that kind of player, but in terms of a quality second pairing defender for basically a, a very budget contract, and as a guy who will probably slot somewhere on the number four or number five spot on their D pairings, I feel like one year for $2 million, that's a pretty good deal. I don't think you could do a whole lot better. It's a fair contract. And, you know, it's not like a, a terrible cap hit. You get out of it in one year if things go really badly. And Murray is the kind of guy that I probably wouldn't want to be locking up long term. So in terms of getting a, a decent contract on the books, that one's pretty okay with me. We've also got Ivan Barbashev signing for the uh, St. Louis Blues on a two-year contract extension at $4.5 million total. Just under $2.3 million a season, which... Yeah, I mean, Barbashev is like a depth forward. I feel like at one point, Ivan was really hyped, and maybe people thought that he was going to be like a top nine offensive prospect. You know, at this stage of his career, he's mostly like a a fourth liner, not really somebody that most teams are wanting to commit a lot of money to. I feel like the Blues have generally been pretty smart about their upgrades and contract extensions, so... This one is is fine, I guess. It doesn't really move the needle, and I don't think that Barbashev is going to be considered a very core piece, but hey, I guess he gets an extension, he makes the bank, the Blues return somebody who is at least fairly comfortable in their system, even if his results are a little bit more, I would say, mediocre. Now is when we're going to start moving into some of the more marquee names for uh, free agent signings, especially from this most recent batch. We have two of them going to the Toronto Maple Leafs, right winger Andre Kasha and left winger Nicholas Ritchie. Now, Ritchie is, is you know, signing for two years at $2.5 million. Rich, I feel like, is a primarily power play specialist. He's a big physical forward. He's got a pretty hard shot. But in terms of, like, the rest of his, his offensive prowess and stuff, I don't feel that Richie is particularly adept at being 
more than a depth forward. I feel like this contract is kind of expensive. He fits more of like the Wayne Simmons mold of player, except, you know, when Simmons was at his peak, he was actually a genuine monster. Richie is, is less so of that player, and I feel like he's the kind of free agent that always seems to get a bit overpaid. From Toronto's perspective, I, I don't think it's terrible. I do know that their power play has had a lot of issues finishing. Maybe they think this kind of uh, player, and, and certainly the physical power forward archetype, who's also a power play finisher, is the one piece that they feel has been missing. I don't really know if I buy that argument because I feel like their power play is plenty skilled and talented enough. It just seems like they've had issues finishing, and it's kind of hard to imagine why when you've got Marner, Matthews, Nylander, all these phenomenal forwards. I don't think Richie is going to be the person that really tips the balance per se, but you know what? They might as well try it. They've basically done just about everything else. Maybe they somehow unlock a secret hidden skill set that he possesses. Kasha going is a bit more of an interesting one. He's only signing for one year at $1.25 million. I feel like Kasha at one point was, again, another very heralded prospect. He's a very skilled transition play driver. Um, I, I feel like he's the kind of player who often ferries the puck, creates offensive chances, but doesn't really score much himself. Andre's biggest uh, thing kind of holding him back, aside from the low finishing rate, is the fact that he just can't stay healthy. He's had one or two serious injuries in recent times, and so I wonder if Kasha is actually going to be okay enough to play. And if he is, where exactly does he slot in on this Toronto roster? I feel like he's good enough to be in the first three lines or so, but I don't know if he'd actually crack that unit. My guess is he will play a depth role, but he is a pretty skilled player. I feel like this is a very cheap contract. It's definitely one of those show-me kind of things. Kasha probably won't be a dominant scorer, but hey, if you're looking for a play driver who can also be defensively reliable, Andre is your guy. The last one we're going to talk about before we hit the break is Tyler Bertuzzi, and he is signed for two years at $4.75 million. Bertuzzi's pretty good. I don't know if he's the kind of player that's really a $4.75 million player, but he seems to be a fan favorite. Um, I know that Bertuzzi's name for Red Wings fans, they seem to really be attracted to him. They think that his physical style of play and his scoring ability makes him a really good watch. He doesn't really move the needle for me. I feel like if you were looking at a contract like that, you probably would have been better off either trading his rights or just sort of letting him go. But from a marketing perspective, I can understand why the Red Wings would be a little bit reticent to let him go. That said, I just... I don't know. This contract for me, it's a little bit eh. The only positive I could say is that it's only for two seasons. At that point, if Bertuzzi hasn't really improved his level of play, there's not much harm in just cutting him loose. He kind of has like some Drew Stafford vibes if Stafford, instead of being like a scoring menace, was actually more of like a, a physical power forward. Because what they do share in common is that they, they certainly produce points wise, but when it comes to like your two way impact and especially your defensive impact, there are a, a number of significant holes in their game, so the extension is fine for two years, a little over four and a half-ish. I guess it could be worse. We'll be back with even more free agent signings and analysis in just a moment, but before then, I wanted to shout out tonight's sponsors at rockauto.com and tell you a little bit about why they should be the only place you buy your auto parts. There are literally thousands and thousands of vehicles out there, and it's really hard for auto parts stores to keep up stocking parts, accoutrements, and everything in between. You might stand in line for 15, 20, maybe even 30 minutes waiting for your chance to buy the part that you need and you find out they don't even have it in stock. 
If you want to save time and money, then just go to rockauto.com instead. They're a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Their easy-to-use intuitive website allows you to sort by make, year, and model of your vehicle, and then set a price range filter so you always get the parts that you need at the prices you want. Whether you need a new engine control module or a floor mat replacement, rockauto.com is sure to have what you need in stock. And best of all, you can save anywhere from 20, 30, even 50% off retail brick-and-mortar in-store pricing. So why shop anywhere else? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. Welcome back, folks, to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are taking a look at some free agent contracts and extensions. You know, some of these contracts have been a bit overpriced. Some of them are right at the sweet spot of value. Some of them, we just ask why anyone ever signed it in the first place. Thus far, Winnipeg hasn't had any of the latter, and in fact, all of their free agent contracts have been pretty darn good. But not every other team is as fortunate. One particular Canadian franchise that has made the headlines for all the wrong reasons has been the Edmonton Oilers. Everything they've done to their defense has been nothing short of a disaster. I don't know that there's a single positive that I could really take away from it other than that, well, I guess Cody Ceci might be an upgrade on one of their third-pairing D but then you get stuck with his long-term and contract, so that's not exactly a plus, right? But when it comes to the forwards that they've brought in, I feel like this is one of the few areas where Edmonton actually strengthened. You can debate the merits of trading away a kid like Ethan Bear, who's actually a very good player and somebody that I think could have been a a long-term contributor, especially on their blue line, but what they got in return was Warren Fogley, and Fogley is like a legitimately good middle six forward. They've now signed him to a contract for three years at $2.75 million per season, which is actually pretty darn good value. This is the kind of contract that I think Edmonton should be looking to do if they bring in players of, of Fogley's caliber. Given how productive he can be if you give him the right deployments and minutes, I think that this is an extremely good value contract. Of course, he'll be a free agent at the end and 28 years old, and then you can decide if you really want to bring him back, but at that point, you might as well look at other options. For the next three years while he's in his prime, though, that contract is, or or should be at least, incredible value. So I think Edmonton actually got a big win here. This is one of the few contract signings that I think Edmonton really hit out of the park. I like Fogley. I think he's a great player. He brings really good offensive skills, a great shot, very smart spatial awareness, This is, you know, a pretty good deal as far as the Oilers go. On a related note of value contracts, we have another forward signing for around $1 million per season for two years, and that is Yoel Kiviranta signing for the Dallas Stars. I feel like Kiviranta is one of those players who definitely had that breakout playoff run, especially towards the Cup Final last year, but... You know, Kiviranta maybe isn't somebody who is is all that likely to sustain extremely high levels of production, so this is a a kind of a good show-me contract. Maybe he's capable of sustaining at least a middle six level of production. If he is and he's worth bringing back, I could see him being extended, but this contract doesn't really hurt your bank account. You're not going to be locked down to it. It's it's pretty fair. Um, And then we've got Arturi Lekinen, who signed for uh, Montreal a one-year contract extension, which that is very interesting to me. He's signed for $2.3 million, and I feel like the term on this suggests that maybe he's not going to be brought back too much further. Lekkinen is kind of in that uncomfortable class of, like, Andre Kasha type of player, where they're actually really good and do a lot to drive play, but when it comes to actual goal scoring and points, 
Lekkonen just doesn't really have that. It's like the one thing that his production seemingly lacks. He's very good at creating lots of chances. He's very skilled. He's defensively responsible. He's great at promoting positive uh, play and, and facilitating a lot of really good sequences. But when it comes to his own production, it's always been lacking. And maybe that's why Montreal feels like, you know, committing to him long term doesn't really make sense. They instead extended Yoel Armia for multiple seasons, which I can see the argument for that. I think Armia has done a good job of, of producing in the time that he's been given. While I'm not sure that he's a better player than Lekkonen is, I feel like Arturi just, for whatever reason, just never has had the shooting percentage to really match the amount of skill that he actually brings. If he departs, I would immediately ask the Jets to kind of pursue Lekkonen because I feel like he's a very good player. He is the exact kind of forward that the Jets frankly need more of. They don't have many two-way guys who are very skilled at both ends of the ice. And he could, you know, he could really help somebody like Kyle Connor or Mark Shifley with the defensive issues that the Jets have had in their top six for a couple of years now. I, I know that he's maybe not going to be the world's most highest-end scorer, but if you're looking for a guy who can frankly lock down your top six and help you out in, in terms of transition, um, defensive responsibilities, even occasionally on the penalty kill, and isn't a total drag at even strength, Lekkonen is that guy. So I'd be curious to know if he does hit free agency after this contract. If he does, maybe the Jets should be calling. The last free agent signing I'm going to spotlight is Derek Stepan signing with the Carolina Hurricanes for one year at $1.35 million. And I feel like this signing is worth discussing because overall Carolina strategy this offseason has been very strange. Of course, everyone saw the Anthony D'Angelo chaos where he signed for one year at $1 million. And ignoring his off-ice behavior, it, it's obvious that that contract is technically good value. But what comes with, with D'Angelo is a lot of baggage. Stepan definitely doesn't have that but I feel like his signing kind of points to a stranger direction for this team. It feels like Carolina was very much in the ascendancy, and now they're just starting to, I don't know, maybe decline a bit. Um, if Andrei Zvechnikov is going to get offer sheeted, I would hope that the Jets are in on at least looking for a trade or something. Carolina seems to be going through a weird series of changes, and I, I don't think that many of them are all that good. Stepan coming in is probably like an Eric Stahl kind of, you know, veteran fourth liner, somebody who can take faceoffs, occasionally eat some bottom line minutes, and maybe chips in with a few points here and there, but beyond that, I don't really know what else they would be bringing him in for. I feel like Carolina is, is definitely declining a lot in terms of, of trading skill for grit, and this is not really the direction that I expected from them. The Hurricanes were the, uh, the, the darlings of hockey Twitter, and now they kind of look like the same kind of villains that the Montreal Canadiens did when they drafted Logan Mayo. I'm just very puzzled as to what Carolina's long-term strategy is because it feels like the contracts that they've handed out while short are, aren't really, um, you know, players that you really want to have long-term. Who knows what's going to happen with that team, but at least for all of their deals, there's only one season attached to them. I still hate the D'Angelo signing no matter what. I would not have given him a contract either way, but that is Carolina's problem to solve now. We're going to circle back to the Jets in just a moment because I have a couple of predictions that I think could occur for next season. Before then, though, I thought you should hear about why Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar on the market. Are you someone who loves protein bars? Are you tired of all of your favorite protein bars tasting like ash and dirt? Maybe you're ready for a change. And as a fellow protein bar appreciator, I can tell you that Built Bar is your best alternative. It's the only protein bar that tastes more like a candy bar, with a 100% chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. It comes in several delicious flavors like salted caramel, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate, and so many other great flavors. 
Bill Bart often releases very special limited edition, limited quantity flavors that once they're gone, they're gone for good. So stay tuned to their social media platforms and their website to make sure you never miss another flavor. As delicious as Bilt Bars are, they're even better for you, with most bars clocking in at around 130 to 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of net carbs, and 17 to 18 grams of protein. Bilt Bars are perfect for every lifestyle, whether you're looking to maintain or lose weight. Placing your order couldn't be easier. Go to Bilt.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at Bilt.com. Place your order today for the best tasting protein bar on the market. Hello friends and welcome back to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. I wanted to close out tonight with some notes of how I think the next season is going to go. Assuming that things are semi-normal, which to be honest with the way that the COVID variants are are certainly tracking, I'm not 100% convinced we go back to normal divisions next year, but let's just assume that we do and the Jets are back in the central. I think Winnipeg will actually get a playoff spot. And I think that they do have a shot at taking a top three spot in the division. Now, Colorado is definitely the team to beat. They're the they're the uh, clear breadwinners. No one else is really going to touch them. I don't think the Jets are going to be threatening for first at all. That said, I could easily see the Jets challenging for second or third place. And I feel like the D upgrades, some of the forward acquisitions, and the development of some of their young talent may actually be enough to propel the Jets beyond a level where we haven't really seen them play in a long time. It's obviously not going to be a team that really rivals the 2017-2018 Jets. That unit was probably one of the best NHL teams you'll ever see. And like, you know, this is sort of a team that was on the level of maybe like a Tampa Bay. I would not expect that, but I do think the Jets will be at least at the very minimum fighting for a wild card spot. But I would expect actually a decent amount more from this team than than just a wild card spot. I think they actually have a shot at at fighting for a top three spot in the division and maybe even a little bit higher in the West. I also suspect we'll actually see Cole Perfetti make his NHL debut earlier in the season than later. I feel like Cole has done a lot to prove that he does deserve at least a starting role somewhere whether it's in a reserve fourth line role or in the AHL, but I think he's almost too good for the AHL. It might be time to start getting him NHL reps. If he does start in the A, I would imagine him playing a few games, maybe like 20 or so, and then kind of working his way up. I feel like if he continues to show his progress and proves that he is in fact ready to get an NHL look, I feel like the Jets would like to see it a little bit sooner. If the Jets can kind of in-house offensive solutions to some other scoring issues, I feel like that would be, you know, the most obvious route to success because you wouldn't have to give up assets. You could get Cole Perfetti NHL experience and the kind of talent that Perfetti possesses, it's at a level that very few players in the trade deadline market are actually going to, you know, match. In fact, I would argue that he would be a better deadline option than any of the external choices the Jets are likely to have. I also suspect we'll actually see a lot more Vili Heinle this season. Vili obviously has a tougher shot of getting onto this team, but if Logan Stanley maybe starts swimming at some point, Heinle is definitely like the marquee prospect on the back end for this team. I know that Sandberg is probably somewhere in that mix, but when it comes to like that last D spot, it's got to be between Logan Stanley and Vili Heinle. The organization very clearly loves Stanley, but I could see him getting traded for some help somewhere. So in that event, I would imagine that Heinle would easily have that spot without much contest. Even with Logan filling in occasionally, I feel like this last D spot will be something of a timeshare. I could easily see Chevy or the front office pushing for more Vili Heinle throughout the season. Vili quite honestly just possesses some really unique skill sets that a lot of other members of the team don't really have, so I I would imagine that he does get more of a look. I know that he can't really be sitting in the press box, and he needs to get ice action, you know, uh, certainly with the Moose or the Jets, and frankly it should be the Jets. 
you know, you're not going to see a lot of uh, a lot of development from Heinle if he keeps playing with Manitoba. I know that the Moose are, are certainly at a decently competitive level, but in terms of Heinle's best development trajectory, it probably will have to come with NHL minutes. I don't think that he's going to learn a lot playing with the Moose, who tend to be a lot more scrambly. My last prediction is that the Jets will actually survive uh, at least two rounds in the postseason. They'll get through the first, and I think they get through the second too. I have at least a little bit more optimism in this team than previous seasons. I feel like the Jets might finally start to look more like the NHL team we know they can. But this is assuming that everything goes the way the Jets want and things don't, you know, completely snowball against the team as far as injuries are concerned. So I feel like the Jets are, are good enough to advance to maybe even like a conference final somehow, partially because Connor Hellebuck is amazing. And the other reason being that I think the Jets are going to see a number of players step up. I think some of the kids are going to be major contributors. And if, if Paul Maurice finally lets this team at least a little bit be more aggressive, right? This is something that the Jets don't do enough of. Maybe Winnipeg will finally start to look a little more like the 2017 team that we all fell in love with. Will the Jets play at that level again? Probably not. I, d I don't think we'll actually see that team for many, many years, if at all. But Winnipeg can at least play at a very high level, and I think they're capable of being, you know, a pretty good team if next season turns out to be what I suspect it will. Tell me your predictions for next season, though, and maybe I will talk about them on our next episode. That will do it for tonight's show, though. Before you log off, don't forget to check out our Locked on Bets podcast. Betting on the Jets doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And as always, thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go.